Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. This is On the Grid, episode 57. It was recorded on March 20th, 2014. We talked about wearables technology and whether or not we're going to be surrounded by a bunch of Google glass holes. We also talked about First Things First Manifesto, even though it wasn't the first thing that we actually talked about. Uh, This is On the Grid. Let's go. Andy, you infected me with your plague. Oh no, what kind of plague did you get? Like a a cold all week? Well, describe describe your symptoms. Describe your symptoms. A Tuesday I had a major headache and then a a cough and a stuffy nose and an achy everything. And then mm, I'm yeah. recovering from there. That sounds pretty familiar. Mm-hmm. Did you feel at any point like you might be dead? And On Tuesday I did. I It started on the weekend and it got worse and now it's getting better. Okay. Well, I'm, are you feeling, did you, how much work did you miss? I didn't. Okay. So I, you mm. could not have possibly been as sick as I was then. Cause there was a couple days there where there was no getting out of bed for old Andy. They either that or Matt's a trooper. But, but I, I would wanna... like to. I would like to throw my hat in the trooper oh, category. But yeah. I, you see, oh, this is the thing. We don't know each other that well, and I'm not. I'm not trying to belittle your sickness, Matt. I'm sure you yeah. were very unhappy. <laughs> you know, my, my goal is not to, you know, come in here questioning your your sickness. <laughs> but I too am known as somebody to power through pretty much anything. Sure. Uh, and this thing put me on my ass. So you know what? It doesn't matter who is more sick. Even though I know this is why people tune into the show, they really care about us <laughs> just arguing back and forth about who was sicker. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about something more important. Like Dan, uh-huh. how was your week, man? You know, it was, it, it was good. It was good. Uh, you guys know Matt Kump, right? From the internet. Sure. Kump from the internet. Yeah. yeah. Somehow, somewhere along the line, we became Twitter friends. Not sure how. So, um, I actually got to meet him in real life because he's over here for the GDC. So, uh, it was nice. We, we got to go get some food. Uh, he brought a couple of friends that he knew also living in the city. And we got some beers. It was just, it was a really good time. Um, it was kind of nice to meet him in the meat space. Is he a listener to the show? Uh, I don't know. Can we, can we give him shouts outs? Shouts outs, Cump, if you're listening. If you're not, you know, whatever. <laughs> so did you did you go to the GDC this week, Dan? No, uh, I wanted to so bad. But one, there's just a lot of work going on. And two, tickets are at a minimum, like a thousand bucks per person. So, really? Yeah. Yikes. Well, it's because it's a, a developers conference, so yeah, okay. you know, there's a lot of good talks, and they always tend to hand out like free hardware and software and stuff. So yeah, it's worth it, but I just I can't justify paying a thousand bucks. But I kind of want to see if I could save up for next year. When you say free hardware, you get an Xbox out of the deal, or you get like a headset. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the middle, you know, like a graphics card or you know something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's like an a Oculus Rift, maybe. Maybe, Ooh. maybe. Mm. I mean, the new one came out. It's only like 350 bucks. So Perhaps yeah. a Leap Motion, some sort of new uh, technology they're trying to get people to use and develop stuff for. Yeah, I have one of those. I, I just I haven't found a reason to use it. Seriously. Yeah, we, we, we got one, too, from the developer program, and we tried to make a few things with it. And it's just fun to play around with, but, you know, there's not a market there for anybody that would, you know, download anything if we made it. So we just kind of just sitting on a shelf. Yeah, I just gathering like, I, dust. I can't play Minority Report all day with my iMac. It's just not fun. Is it tiring? We wanted to, we wanted to yeah. make Minority Report WikiWeb, where you could kind of like swim in Wikipedia and like pull nodes around and oh, that'd be cool. Tap them to expand, but uh, yep, not yet. I haven't gotten there. Yeah, yep. So, anyways, that was my week um, so far. 
Your week was just talking to comp and not going to the GDC. Being yeah, sad. Oh well, I mean, I've been doing a lot of stuff at work. Um, like we have just. A oh, you've been doing stuff at work. You say? Oh, yeah, for once. I know us startups, we never do anything. But um, no, we had a bunch of garbage CSS that I started converting. Like one, trying to make it better, but two, also converting it into SAS, uh, which has been a ton of fun. But it's just been a bunch of spaghetti code that I'm having to kind of just uh, uh, trudge through. I love SAS. It's I so great. Too. Oh, it's so beautiful. It totally changed the way I thought about CSS. Made me excited about it again. Yep, exactly. So Matt, you've been going to work powering through some terrible illness. Yeah. How are things on how are things on your end? Good. I'm Ill? I'm gonna leave on vacation next week, by the way. That's oh, why fuck. Yeah. Where are you going? Saint Lucia. Where? Oh fuck. Yeah, man. Real, Real vacation. vacation. Real vacation. Wait. I'm excited. Grown up vacation. Okay, so um, if, so if a redneck were to try to point this out on a globe, where where is this? South of Florida. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's warm there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm very excited. But this is one of the reasons I need to power through. Is there's so much to get done this week. Uh, I can't I can't be sick one week and then miss the next next week of work on vacation. That doesn't work. So no. I power through. Okay. Lucky well, hero. Good, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm looking up on a map. It's more north of Venezuela. It's more like <laughs> southeast of Florida. It's not Cuba. No. Okay. Uh, okay. So they're not Cuba. Hunk of land. That'll be fun. Near Puerto Rico. I, <laughs> Dude, are yeah. you staying at like a? Are you staying at like a resort I, or like? Is, is that, that's like a resort place. You know, that's where a lot of people go to vacation. That's you mostly go for the beaches. Yeah. I assume it's not like a. Sort of no, so we are, I'm going with my family, and we're renting a house instead. Now, now I don't know if your if your parents listen like my mom does, but you know, serious, you know, private time. How much time could you really spend with your family before you got to get back to your? To my mom listens, dum dum. Okay, so you're Ooh. not okay. You're not going to say so. As no, much honestly, as, you know, very, I get along with my family very well, to be honest. I do too. I get along with my family really well too for for a few days. For, for no, a I think a week totally. Yeah, it's yeah. just I mean, it just gets uh, you know, it's just extra stress that you didn't realize you had left behind when you moved out i think is a normal thing I th- uh, hi I mom know, i love you, you know, Andy, <laughs> i don't need you getting me into all kinds of trouble what I'm, I'm about to see hi matt's trouble. mom there you go much nicer <laughs> matt's mom and my mom are my listening family. there's no Ma- things there why are you trying to make stuff yeah i'm not trying i'm not trying to make shit i don't know i feel like i'm stirring the pot tonight i didn't mean to apparently you are let's all be friendly all right i agree So, Dan, if you had gone to the GDC, do you think you would have gotten some cool wearable tech as a cool giveaway? Possibly. I don't I don't think it would be Google Glass level, but I'm I'm pretty sure that I I'm pretty sure there would be something. So, would you be excited about getting some some wearable tech, some some sort of uh screen you can strap to your body in some way to uh to help enhance your life? Is that something that is appealing to you? I think I would be excited for the prospect of being interested in something like that for a week and then dropping it. You'd be excited in the prospect of being interested in something for a week. I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to come here and make this presentation to explain some of the opportunities you could possibly pursue with my organization. Um, (laughs) So you, so you tinker around with it, but you don't see yourself as a person that would sort of want to have this enhancement in their lives? 
No, I mean, like there, there's some things uh, that like aren't on the market yet that have been talked about. Like uh, Razer, it's a it's a gaming peripheral slash um, uh, hardware company that uh, has been putting out a lot of information about a potential wearable that they have, which actually looks pretty cool. It's just one of those things that like I would really want to play with, but I just don't know like if. Like if I play with it for a few days, I don't know if like on the fifth day or whatever that I would still have as much interest or it would actually like still matter in my day to day life. Is this a gaming peripheral or is this a like wearable thing that you would like have on your body and go about your everyday life? No, I mean, it's like it's much like all the other wearable things I've been talked about. Like it has a screen on it and it'll tell you if somebody's calling you from your cell phone and um, like if if you are. if you have directions that are running through like Google maps or something like it'll tell you what the next step is like, it's that sort of thing. It'll tell you, uh, potentially like your heart rate and all these other little bits. Um, so it, like, it's super interesting and it's, it's a lot like what they've been talking about with the Google stuff or the Apple stuff and kind of like the, some of the, the items I've been in the basis, but I just like, I, I haven't gotten to the point where that stuff matter so much that I have to have something like that on me. I think it's just because I'm one of those people I don't like extra stuff like on my wrists or on my hands or anything like that like a watch. Uh, Matt, I'm curious to know your position on this wearable tech stuff. And I should say I'm, I'm kind of you know segueing into this really smoothly like a podcast professional because this week there was a sort of whole new smartwatch uh, thing announced. Uh, Google or an Android or somebody announced they're doing their smartwatch thing and then Motorola came out with the Moto 360, which is, as far as I can tell, the most designed uh, smartwatch that I've seen on the market yet that's sort of very carefully considered as a piece of hardware. Um, And Matt, so Dan, you said this is like a tinkering thing for you, but you don't see yourself ever wearing this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Matt, Matt, you traditionally have been very uh, welcoming to the future uh, in in your attitude towards technology and adopting new things. Is this the future? Are we we all going to slowly move towards wearable tech? What do you think? I'm a little... I'm a little in between here because wearable tech, I'm I'm with with you, what you're leading into with talking about watches, right? I'm thinking more watches than I'm thinking Google Glass. And uh, I can, I'm not a guy who wears a watch. I'm totally fine having my cell phone in my pocket and that being my watch. So it's not a, not a normal thing for me, but I could see it being useful. Um, like maybe, maybe I would wear a watch if there's something accessible, if, with more information accessible, I'm not constantly pulling my phone out of my pocket. Like it's one of those things that doesn't seem like an inconvenience until you realize that it was this whole time. And now you've got this thing on your wrist and it's much better. Um, but the, the kind of place I'm interested in seeing watches go is kind of becoming like the constant, like the constant form of ID. Um, not to make that sound too scary, but like the thing that identifies you as like that becomes your payment device. That's the thing that identifies your TV that you walked in the room and to switch to your profile. That's the thing that identifies your computer that you're going to log in now. Like uh, it's because it seems a little bit less like you could lose it than your phone. Like you just leave your phone places. Hopefully you're not taking your watch off. It's always on you and it's kind of easy to tell if it's missing. And it also seems like you know, maybe even like using some biometric thing like your heartbeat to to be the constant password to make sure it's okay that you're you're using this as your ID device. That kind of thing is interesting to me. The part where it's just like a watch with the weather, not so much. My phone does that. It's it's funny that you say that a watch seems less likely to lose because the only thing of any value I have ever lost is a watch that I just left on a bench in Istanbul when I was there 
And I just no. walked away. Why did you take it off? <laughs> I was putting I was putting on sunscreen. We 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 traveled to <laughs> we, we were walking around all day and we didn't expect it to be so sunny and I was getting a little crispy, so I took off my watch, covered my arms in sunscreen, and then we sat there for a few minutes sort of taking in the sights, and then we just got up and left and uh You'd be surprised if you leave a watch sitting on a bench in a busy uh, major city, it gets taken. People take it. I understand it. that. I came back but, 45 minutes later and it wasn't still there. a watch is like a band of sun protection. Lather up around and then there's this little band protecting your skin from the sun. Yeah. So you're telling me if you were wearing a watch, you would just try and like jam sunscreen in all the little edges around the band and face <laughs> instead of taking it off and putting sunscreen Hell on yes. all over? Uh, no, probably not, but it's easy to make fun of you. Well, that's what I'm going to do watch. in the future. That's what I'm going to do in the future, because, man, I was so bummed. It's like the only thing I've ever lost. It was the worst. Um, no, I, I, so part of what you're saying makes sense to me, Matt. Uh, but part of me also feels like, you know, the, the risk and the reason we see people making these smartwatches is because there is an established precedence for visibility on your wrist. It's something yeah. that people are used to wearing that's not going to get in the way of most people's everyday life, but it's still visible. And most of the things you're describing that you want this thing to do to identify you, to, you know, show you've come in the room, to maybe be a payment device, to, you know, basically like be a tag for you. None of those things you're describing require that visibility. That could be, you know, a little patch on your back or a, you know, a little tag that's like tacked onto your ankle or something that's totally out of the way because mm-hmm. uh, none of that stuff would need a screen, right? I guess that's true. I'm just thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of what you're thinking of and kind of what the moto 360 seems to be trying to do is that make this device that we're all used to and is kind of a fashion icon uh and and adapt it rather than trying to make a new thing and teaching the world that this is the new wearable that's the the thing and and here's what i think everyone is speculating about whether or not apple is working on a smart watch some people feel as though apple is falling behind because everybody else in technology you know google and android all have their smart watches and Apple has not introduced anything that's sort of in the wearable tech space. And my suspicion is not that they will come up with a smartwatch, but that they will come up with a totally new thing that people are not yet familiar with, but that they think is going to you know, change the world and be sort of a totally different approach to wearable tech. And that's what I'm excited about. So there were some, some leaked screenshots of the supposed iOS 8 and the supposed sort of a, like health meter app or something that uh, showed it tracking blood pressure and respiratory rate and, you know, uh, base heart rate and that sort of like basic health stuff. Uh, and so I, I hope that that's, I would be very interested in that product, the product that is a new thing that is going to tap into, you know, me and track stuff about me that I can then, you know, use to help understand my, myself and my life better. I could care less about all of the wearable shit I've seen. And, and I guess it's almost like maybe it's the puberty of wearable tech. Like we have to get through this stage of people you know, trying to bridge the gap between what's familiar and what's new and people not really knowing how to, you know, bring technology into people's physical space without making it awkward. But, like, right now, everything is in this such shitty space between, like, well, people like watches, and most watches are circular, so we decided this watch had to be circular. And it's like, well, fucking why? Like, this is like there's no precedence for a round interface or a round screen. You decided because most things people have attached to their wrist historically are circular we have to make the technology fit into that space instead of vice versa uh it just seems like it's all very backwards right now everything i've seen is nothing's excited me whatsoever well i will say i agree with that mm, i will say that like there was one piece that i thought was super interesting like uh, I've, i've tried two in the past six months one was the basis watch and then the other one was the misfit shine 
And no, I've never is, heard of either of these, so give us a good solid summary. Okay, so the basis watch, um, it looks like some of the old Casio like calculator watches, where it's it's like a like a box that's sitting. And it's actually pretty thick that sits just on like a, a plastic band. Um, so it feels a lot like a watch. It shows time as a default and it has a sensor on the bottom of it, like where it touches your skin and it keeps track of, um, your heart rate, uh, keeps track of your steps. Um, a few other actions I think that are, um, a little bit more specific, like running and, and swimming or not swimming, uh, some other stuff. And it's supposed to be able to sync with either your phone and, or your computer. And then you can kind of get your day-to-day stats and then your weekly stats, um, based on your activity for the week and for the day. Um, so that's, that's one. The other one, the Misfit Shine, it's actually just a circular disc thing. It's actually very, very small. Um, there's no screen on it. Uh, there's just a series of, uh, 12 LEDs that are embedded into it. And then like how Apple does, they just drill very small holes in the, the aluminum on the top so that the, the LEDs can shine through. And uh, the benefit of this one is actually, it's very, very, very simple. Like it basically tracks your, um, uh, your steps throughout the day. And you can also, like it's based off of taps to be able to act, activate something. So you could tap it three times, then it'll activate a different mode, basically. Like if you're saying like, I, I'm about to go running, I wanna be able to calculate this or keep track of it. You tap it three times, you go on your run, then you t- like you disable it by tapping three times again. But the thing is that there's no screen on it. It's just that thing. Like if you tap it once, it'll show you the time. It'll show you your progress of steps for your goal for the day. And then it can also sync with your, um, uh, with your phone and with your computer. The benefit of this one though, is that it's actually interchangeable with different things. So it can go into like a watch band that's made just for it. Um, there's also like a, a plastic loop that you can use to be able to clip it onto like your, like a, uh, belt loop on your pants or like within your shoe. Um, so it can kind of go anywhere. And then the company just introduced apparel where it could also be embedded. Like you, it'll have a little pocket in the, uh, shirt sleeve or within a sock. So, um, they're two pretty different things. I like, and you've used both of these. Yes. Yeah. And I have to say that I vastly prefer the misfit, um, the simpler one, because I, I, I'm not too keen on trying to track every little detail in my life because I, I, I just really don't care. But I was really keen on wanting to be able to keep track of just how much I'm walking in a day, like how many miles am I walking and how many steps, because uh, that lets me know how, how active I am just on a, on a regular day. Um, and it was just nicer, too, because it was very simple. I didn't have just like another screen that I could stare at through the day. And it wasn't bulky. Uh, and it was a, much more elegant than a lot of the other like old crappy Casio looking watches like the basis is. <laughs> Dan, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, oh, man, that is just too much of the truth. I don't need to know that much about myself. I got to yeah. lie to myself a little bit. Yeah. And that, like, that's the thing that I like I had to struggle with because it was kind of cool that I had the opportunity to see all those stats, but I was like, I don't go running that much. Like it's just <laughs> not something that I do. So why the hell do I need it to automatically know when I start running? See, I really like tracking my stuff about myself. And I, I specifically really wish I had the ability to track like health metrics. Like I, I, you know, I have moves and I, you know, track my steps and how much I bike every day and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which is, you know, basic activity metrics. But what I really want is, you know, one of these things that will, Give me my, my base heart rate, give me my respiratory rate, give me these sort of high-level things. Because I think it's really be very telling if I could, you know, notice that, you know, those numbers are going 
the bad direction. And then, like, I, I feel like that would be very, it'd be, great, it'd be oh. very interesting to me to look across my, you know, past three months or past six months and see that the trend is bad. And, like, whatever I'm doing in my life needs to change somewhat slightly. And I can sort of, you know, approach it from that sense. I, th- I think it sucks right now that, like, you know, I can't find out any of these things. It's like go to a doctor and like have a whole checkup and then like ask them for the sheet of paper. It has the printout of all the numbers. And then, you know, that's stuff I want under my control. I feel really, really strong about being able to measure that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I think it's interesting that, um, you know, the the misfit shine, I looked up some pictures of it while you were talking about it. Uh, it is a sort of very, you know, generic like metal disc that you can sort of have anywhere. And But most of the pictures I saw do have it on a watch band, even though, it serves no purpose for visibility. Like there's a lights you said to sort of switch between modes, but it's not. There's not a screen. It's just a medical a metal disc that you have strapped to your wrist. I I, think we, I keep coming back to this like familiarity thing, and I feel like the people that are working on the wearable tech are taking what they already know how to do, which is you know make stuff with screens, make stuff that you know has apps that have functionality we're already used to, and they're trying to like make a value proposition for that by attaching it to familiar wearables, you know, glasses and watches and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would so much rather have somebody make like a value proposition that was, here's a new thing, but here's why it matters and not, you know, not here. You can get used to it and it looks like the future because it's a screen where you didn't expect a screen to be, but instead, you know, this is going to provide this value to you. And I know it's strange that it's a, you know, a little metal thing you clip to the back of your neck, but you know, trust us, this is you know gonna gonna have some there's some purpose to doing it. Yeah. Um, well, I, everything feels like it's you know just the same old shit regurgitated into a different space. You know, like oh, you can check Twitter on your glasses now, and you can send an email on your glasses, and take pictures <laughs> with your glasses, and it's like I can already do all of those things without looking like a super dork all the time. Well, yeah, sure. No, okay. So for the misfit. I could see where it does make sense for them because the two things that are um, kind of the, the most trackable things that you could do on the device without having to sync it is uh, one, like you can check the time. Like if you tap it, I think it's one or once or twice, then it will show you the time. Um, and you're also able to like, it'll cycle through that. And then after that, it'll show you your progress. So like, it'll go around the circle of like how much of this like percentage wise uh, is going around the circle is how much you've completed your goal for the day. So like it makes sense for that just because they're tracking and presenting so little. But so you do the, check in with it. It is yeah. something you will look at throughout the day. It's not just a, yeah. Like, I mean, honestly it is something that uh, like we do a lot of walking meetings. So like if we're, we have to go talk rather than sitting in a stuffy room, we'll just kind of go, you know, walk a few blocks and then just be done with it. And for me, sometimes like if I see that, if I check in the middle of the day and I still haven't hit like the halfway mark that I know that I need to, and, and also want to like get up and just kind of move around and make sure that I'm not sitting all day. Um, so like that, like that's the sort of level for me that kind of made sense for this wearable stuff where with the basis, it's just more like, it's just number after number after stat after stat. And like, I was so much less interested. And also I was kind of terrified of it too, because, uh, we all like our our whole team got it because it was an experiment because we're doing all this fitness stuff and we're trying to figure out like how this how the wearable stuff kind of matters uh for the all the health related stuff and uh i saw that my heart rate one day like we were having a, a discussion about something i looked down and i was like guys is it normal for your heart rate to be 132 and no they're like no i was like does that mean i'm dying and no it, and then you died and that's much. how dan died yeah 
so what I learned is that that stuff is also super inconsistent, which could be potentially very dangerous because if somebody doesn't know that it's off by a certain amount, then they might actually believe the data that's shown to them. Therefore, like they think that they they have some sort of health hazard that actually doesn't exist. Yeah, well, that's the kind of thing that requires just like you know an understanding. It's like day trading, you know, like any given day. I'm sure that these numbers can fluctuate a lot, and the tools that measure them fluctuate a lot. It's more looking at like the average across large spans of time and sort of how that average is trending that actually is important. But um, I I don't know. So it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement that where this wearable stuff is right now is not appealing to us. Is but is this like an inevitability? Like you know, people have demonstrated that they care about checking Twitter and they care about taking photos and they care about you know getting their emails as immediately as possible. Is it inevitable that this kind of technology, as it becomes cheaper and more accessible, is just the thing people are going to want? Are people going to be wearing smartwatches whether we think they're cool or not? Possibly. I don't think it's inevitable that people are going to be wearing them. I think it's inevitable that people will try to develop them and market them. Um, you know, and, and then put all the popular apps that are popular on your phone on your watch. But I actually don't think we're going to see a lot of people twittering on their watch because I just don't think we're going to find it's a great experience. Um, like I don't – one, like voice command isn't there yet. You know, I, I mean we've all tried voice command and even things that are really good are like 99% good and that's just frustrating enough to still be frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see the input mechanism being good enough yet for, for wearables to be for, – for like – Twitter on your watch to be a thing that is enjoyable. Like, why is that an enjoyable experience? Especially in your, like, weird new Circle interface. Andy, we get, after your Fever Dream episode, we get uh, circles. We get to design everything in circles, not squares anymore. Yeah, exactly. That girl that <laughs> had that issue, she's going to be, her mind's just got she blown by the Moto 360. Yeah, the, her, the canvas is wide open to her for the first time. But in reality, it's less wide open because you got no corners. Well, that's, that's the other thing I was wondering. Like, so they so they announced this new smartwatch program. They announced the Moto 360, which was the exciting one, and like one other square one that looked boring and less exciting. But it, it seems like all the same apps are going to work on both devices, which is like furthering the horrible nightmare of developing anything on Android. Now, if you're making any smartwatch app, you got to make it circular and square, that's which is terrifying. not just a matter of like stretching things and you know making a different. Like, that's a whole new kind of responsive design right there, making everything sort of fit in a porthole shape. Uh, so I'm not sure how they're planning on dealing with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. This whole stuff, this stuff just kind of bums me out. And I, I do think that, uh, you know, I think that, like you said, Matt, people are going to continue to try and develop this stuff. But no, I, th- I just think, you know, it'll happen, but people won't find it the most enjoyable experience. That's all. And then maybe we'll have to that'll push further development because watches weren't quite the right thing or this idea of a watch wasn't quite the right thing. Or, I'm still I'm still into the idea of, of like watches personal identifier. I'm not I'm really not into like tracking my steps or heartbeat or anything that you're into, Andy. Like that stuff honestly doesn't interest me at all. But uh, the the payment device and like you know interacting with Nest or something like Matt likes it 76 degrees whenever he walks into a room. That whoa. kind of stuff. Whoa, you like it hot? I don't know. No, I feel like it really cold. 68 yeah. degrees. That's yeah, there we go. Yep. That's my kind of number. <laughs> that actually is way... I, I take that back. Please don't record that um, wearable device. But I think that's a much more... To me, that's a more interesting device. Like the thing that you always have on that becomes your identifier for your own environments. Your own well, like devices in your environment. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point too. Is that like if you look at 
all of our cell phones now, like it can do all that sort of thing. Like you can activate and use your nest. Yep. Um, there are like, you can get peripherals where you can do health related stuff with it. I mean, there's even things for diabetics where they can check their glucose with their phone. Now, like all this sort of stuff kind of just works because it's the operating system that allows you to be able to install the stuff for it to work. Like it would be actually very interesting for these wearables to be able to have that same sort of level of um, robustness, if that's even a word. Uh, I think it's robosity. Robust. There we go. Ooh, that's fancy. <laughs> um, that that <laughs> that these devices could have that level of robosity, because um, like for one person, like for Andy, he'd be able to install things that kind of uh, tracked his health and be able to try to figure out like if there was some sort of alert so he can have for like if his blood pressure is up or if his heart rate is up that sort of thing uh, and then matt could just use the exact same device but just have different things installed so that you could say like okay like i want to adjust the temperature or like i want to make sure that this thing happens like i think that could actually be totally reasonable but i think that a lot of people now they kind of go to the same bullshit defaults of like somebody tweeted to you or like somebody's calling you so it's time to take your phone out of your pocket and answer your phone uh, that sort of that thing. That is a good point I think you're making, Dan, in that I, I expect the people that are developing these devices hope for them to be a new platform. And, you know, everyone has a smartphone in their pocket or, you know, everyone in a certain chunk of the population has a smartphone in their pocket. And, but they're used in vastly different ways. You know, my mom does not use her iPhone the same way I use my iPhone because, you know, of all the apps and customization that you can sort of apply to that, you know, surface. So, I thought so, you both only play threes now. Uh I do play a lot of threes. That's true. But I also, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on eBay all the time. Uh, I'm on my email all the time. My mom doesn't do any of those things on her phone. Uh, she gets phone calls, which I do not get. Uh, we both use text messages. But it does very much kind of, for all of the universality of iOS and sort of the, the sameness of it, it does sort of morph itself to the way you use it and your needs. Because uh, that's what a platform does, a good platform at least. So, I mean, d do you think that these devices could be that platform? Do you think that, you know, we're sitting here scoffing at how stupid these watches look and say we never wear them, but, you know, they come out with the identification technology and they come out with the, you know, BMI tracking stuff that, you know, I really want and we find ourselves wearing these things in three or four years? Is that... I, I, here's, here's why I'm having a, an issue with this. Like, most of the things that happen in technology, I can either say, like... This is very stupid and will never catch on and is like a, fr a frivolity. And I feel that way about like the segues of the world. And it's like, you know, this is always going to be a novelty. There's no future I can imagine where this is like a practical thing. Or there's something that to me is like clearly the future. It's just a little expensive and a little uh, maybe hard to access for most of the population. But everything's headed that way. And I put like things like Nest in that bucket. Where it's like, yes, I think obviously thermostats are all moving that direction, and it seems inevitable that in a certain amount of time, that's the new default thermostat. Uh, Segway is not the new default walking. And, I, for, <laughs> and for me, like the smartwatches and the Google Glass are like in this weird place in between, where it's like, yeah, I guess it's more practical than a Segway, but at the same time, like this is not something that I could, you know, get and then know that you know my family members were all going to have it in 10 years which is like I, I was the first one in my family to have an iphone and you know i was fairly certain that that was the direction everything was going to go and now everyone in my family has iphones like it's just my dad finally got one you know like two months ago and it was like that was the last person and now it's a full turnover uh and i i don't feel that way about this kind of technology i feel like it's in this weird pubescent space I, you rarely see i think a whole bunch of big technology companies aggressively pursuing something that 
doesn't end up catching on to a certain degree when it comes to this kind of hardware. Like, can you think of another example of like, you know, technology companies tried to push X on people and people just didn't care? Oh, sure. I mean, like when tablets first came out, uh, nobody could find a use in them because why would you have to like do a touch interface and like all this other crap and it was clunky and it wasn't very much optimized for like how somebody would actually interact with it. And then like that was that, that's the example. Yeah, but now where they're did, like the biggest thing in the whole world. Well, no. And that's like that's the example where it didn't work for a very long time. And then when the iPad came out, that's when people started to figure out like, oh, that's how you're supposed to be doing a tablet. So like, I, I honestly think that for watches or wearables or whatever the fuck they're going to be, that it's going to be this period where everybody's just putting out complete garbage because nobody actually took the time to understand the space and how it could be useful. And then somebody is going to be able to come and say like, okay, we have a pretty good idea that it's useful if it's presented this way. And with these kind of capabilities, like, I, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. I think that's very fair. I don't know if it's fair to say that people didn't, didn't consider it before. <laughs> I just think they didn't have that perfect, you know, the spark of like the inspiration and like the moment and doing a very good job of doing your research. Like, I think there are plenty of people that tried to do their research. They just didn't, didn't nail it. Um, and I think that's going to be the same thing for wearables. I bet we're going to find that there are plenty and plenty of junky things that didn't quite hit the nail on the head and then somebody will come along and and get it just right and it'll probably be different than we expected it to be but it'll still be a wearable and we'll go oh well yeah of course and then we'll look back and be like wow that was obvious of course that was gonna work only time will tell (laughs) that's the title of this episode bunch of dudes sit around speculating on something that they don't know anything about just like everyone else Wearable tech is for dorks. Did you guys see the First Things First 2014 manifesto? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what did you think of it? Sure is 2014-y. Um, yeah, no, I, it actually is a, I actually thought it was a pretty uh, solid list of things that are wrong with designers today. That being said, I didn't sign it, and I'm probably not going to sign it, but oh. I appreciate that it's out oh. there. Okay, could could somebody explain what it is for anybody who hasn't seen it? So Dan hasn't seen it. Like, well, I guess I guess first of all, oh, no, I probably... skimmed it. All right. I mean, I think. I mean, first things first. We should probably oh. explain the history explain of the original first things first. Anybody listening who is not familiar with that, uh, when was the first first things first? Uh, I think like '64. Yeah, Here, it was first uh, things first. Manifesto. Yeah, there's a lot of those results in that Google search. Not term. 2000. Oh, I'm right. 1964. Oh, oh yeah. you're a fucking genius. Wow. Um, no, I mean, so this was a the very first first things first, as I remember it, and I have not read it in some number of years. So, Matt, you seem like you have it up. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this was a response to kind of the the advertising and corporate world uh, becoming a bigger and bigger part of, of design. And it was sort of a call to designers to... Uh, you know, speak with their own voice and not just, uh, you know, do the whim of corporate brands and, and corporate America. Uh, and it was signed by some very, very influential and uh, and well-known designers at the time. And this was at a time, you know, before the Internet and before, you know, people were in- connected in such a sort of constant and, and tight-knit way. Uh, so I think it was a fairly influential document at the time, so much so that in 2000, uh, there was sort of a resurgence of it, uh, and another sort of first things first was put out. And the one in 2000, I believe, was more about 
being socially conscious and and ethical, uh, if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, So it's sort of a slight twist on the original one. Uh, And now we have first things first, 2014. And my question is, why do our why does our industry have so many manifestos? Why does this keep happening? Well, because well, you set the precedent, and the, the, if it gets updated once, it's going to get updated again. And no, again but and but again. where's the first things first? Like plumbers, and the first things first, you know, uh, architects. Even you know, I, I feel like I feel like it's it's to me these kind of things are a sign of like a constant identity crisis amongst designers because we're like so self aware, or like we try and be so self aware of like the history and the time in which we're working that. There's this like constant, constant like self doubt that we have to, you know, talk about and manifesto about all the time. Uh, and it, it's every time something this comes out, I feel like it's trying to put me in a box that just makes me mad. And I don't want to, I want to like abandon the label of designer for a brief period of time until like the, the seas settle. Yeah, I understand. But here, here, look, I understand why we have more manifestos. Like, it's a group of people that their job is communicating and sometimes they get bored and so they communicate about their job that's oh, what... in a very grandiose terms sure yeah speak about the work they do in you know great language and you know tremendous scale yeah that's the way they've been taught to present their work so <sighs> it's also distasteful to me <sighs> no i i actually agree with that like i see and i think Part, you know, part of the reason I don't, you know, I wouldn't sign is because one, I think that list, that list is going to be thousands and thousands of names that are one fake or two, like who the fuck are they? Like I don't know. There's something to the first one where it's notable names and the second one, like very, very notable names. Yeah, like, second one was you know Ellen Lupton and uh, Milton Glaser, and I always think of Jonathan Barnbrook stuff, is the yeah. top name of the list, but uh, Ellen Lupton, Abbott Miller, Eric Speakerman, uh, yeah, the list goes on and on. Very well known people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't, it almost, it almost is meaningless to sign the, the list that it seems like every single person on the internet has signed so much so that you can't even, if you hit the load more button, it, it's going to take you about a hundred clicks to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't even tried, I tried a couple took too long. That's, that's an interesting point is that, uh, it's almost like the internet gave us the ability to make these things actually accessible to everybody and to collect as many signatures as you want to collect. But in a way you're pointing out that totally devalues it. It's like, you know, cool. 10,000 totally strange people who I have no connection or understanding of sign this yeah. thing. Like, I don't know what, what the value of like, what if this person is a shitty person and they're signing the thing? What does that mean? And also, what if they're a, a bad designer? What if they always right? use all caps? You know, <laughs> What if they're one of those people? What if they're Little John? By the way, did you ever see the Little John AMA? He responds everything in all caps. Totally, I love it. That's not surprising. That's, but it's it's totally what I want. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that, fit, that fits his brand. Exactly. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, what was I gonna say? <laughs> classic, classic Little John interstitial. He just breaks in and just ruins the whole podcast and the whole flow. Uh, oh, I was gonna say. Also, it's not a petition. So yeah. you're not because it's not a petition in the sense that like I, what I'm saying is that there's no like actionable thing I, or no, that's not true. Well, yeah. There is an actionable thing. Yeah. There's no goal to be achieved except for the very high minded grandiose goal that's not actually going to be achieved. So yeah. you're not going to get it in front of the president and get a law passed or something. It's just talking that I don't like because it's so grandiose and there's no like. Key, there's no tangible thing to grab onto. 
that doesn't it just spins it doesn't do anything that's that's but, what i'm getting at and and, and that's what it comes down to it's like the internet makes it so easy for people just to register their agreement with something that even like petition websites like change.org is a website that is dedicated to petitions mm -hmm. and the way it works is you start a petition and you just pick a number of signatures a random number and when you get to that number nothing fucking happens i think the idea <laughs> the idea i think is that you're you're starting this petition and you have a real need for a certain number of signatures and you have a reason you, once you get the signatures you could do something with it but that's not what happens. What happens is people just start petitions and say, I need 600,000 signatures to say that cool water is cool. And people will just say, yeah, I love water. I would, you know, sign that petition. And then, like, it's it, to me, it's like this amazing pit of, like, armchair. Uh, what's what's the word for helping people? Well, armchair quarterback would be the, I don't know. What, what are you trying to well, say? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a, a playoff of armchair anthropology. But what's uh, what's it called? Um, Sociologist? No, no, no. Mm. The uh, armchair philanthropy. Your armchair, ah, like, uh, yeah. like it's, you know, yeah. like I'm going to be a good person and help the world. I'm just going to sit here and just register my, I agree. I agree the air should be clean. I agree that uh, these people should have water in their town. And it's just, nope. <sighs> makes me you know mad. what this, you know what you this know makes what you, me feel like? It's, uh, God, however many years ago when uh, there was just a ton of designers on the bottom of their website, they would have like, check, this is CSS2 compliant, and this is like HTML4 <laughs> compliant. Yeah, it's like, it feels like... Were, it would, those were fun days. Yeah, it feels like it would just be, this is the sort of thing that would just be lodged right next to those things. First like, things first, 2014 compliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's it's interesting, like, yes. I think that these things oftentimes feel like they are a real thing when actually they are not. And that, that is the actual issue with them. Like, yeah, sure, I can be grumpy about the fact that people love to have very low-friction ways to interact with shit they care about, but that's not an actual problem. That's just me being grumpy. But the real problem is that it feels like you've done something. It feels like you've made progress and helped, and in actuality, you haven't, and that's going to keep you from maybe doing something that would actually be helpful. Uh, so like, I feel like people, instead of signing this stupid petition, should just like go out and you know, be a good representation of what a designer can be in 2014 and make good work and do something interesting and stop just sitting on the fucking internet. And <laughs> God, and God, and, and it is the, the perfect distillation of this to me is that the people that believe this stuff the most presumably are the people that sat down and spent their time making the website to tell other people to check the box to say they like the thing. Uh -huh. Like, isn't that like in direct opposition of the whole manifesto of like doing real important things in the real world? I mean, yep, yeah, that's but true. this turned into more of a rant than I wanted it to be. No, I know. Yeah, it's okay. No, I, I kind of wish that, okay, if this sort of thing were exist, and even though it does exist, that's not the point, that if, like, if somebody was able to sign it, they would also have to have another required field of saying, like, okay, how, what are you going to do, to do to make this actually happen? Like, so they have to sit down and try to actually think about, like, what are they going to do to make this manifesto into reality or whatever? Like, it's still not going to do anything. But I just wish that there would be the extra step to make people think about what the fuck they just signed. Well, because like I'm not really that upset about it. You know, I don't think it's really going to do anything. No, uh, I wasn't really I mad. That's why I started talking about it. No, I get it. I, I appreciate <laughs> it for what it is. Like, especially uh, even if you like, let's say you wanted to do that for yourself, just to, just to get your thoughts on paper. That like that's good and great for you. And I I, I appreciate that design has a history of that. I really do. And. Nothing interested me more than like manifestos in college. I promise you, um, but it it is it is the 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 having no 
follow up and and essentially checking and making it checking the box and making you feel like you accomplished something is the problem. Um, yeah, I, I will I, say that you know the first first things first and the two thousand one as well. When I was in school, you know, a little freshman, sophomore, wide-eyed Andy, still trying to understand what graphic design was. Like those were important things for me. Like you yeah, know, th- that that helped me understand that you know there were people in this field that had ideals and you know stood for something and this wasn't simply like another job you know plumbers don't have manifestos because this isn't like plumbing in many senses it's a something people are very passionate not to say people aren't passionate about plumbing i don't want to you know degrade plumbers over here um but yeah i don't know they they do have their place and i I put a, a link to mitch goldstein who has been a guest on this show friend of the show mitch um, wrote a blog post in response to it and sort of talked about how he does give his students a personal manifesto project and he sees the value much higher when it's you have to write it yourself and sit down and sort of hash out your own personal I- ideologies as opposed to being able to read something and just uh, agree with it. Um, and there is important, an important difference there too in that it's very, very easy to read something and say, I agree with this and much harder to sit down and actually you know, figure out what you truly stand for, uh, you know, in a, in a vacuum, you know, outside of somebody influencing you and telling you what, you, what they think is important. Uh, it, it's much harder to find those true, those true things in yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and even harder when you like actually butt up against them in the real world, rather than just being like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do until you actually have to graphic with designers it then- shouldn't work for cigarette companies. And then it's much harder to turn down the $200,000 contract than it is to, you know, say that. Graphic designers should always tell the client what is right and steer them in the right direction at all costs. <laughs> all yes. costs. Including <laughs> making their job harder and making themselves personally miserable and losing contracts. Yeah. All of the things. Uh, no, What's most I mean, important is that that text gets current properly. I don't mean to be so mean. I mean, I really do think there may, you know, there may be young Andy right now who's reading the first thing first manifesto 2014 and being like, wow, this is really... Like, I didn't know graphic designers could do this. This is really exciting. I'm glad I picked this profession. And that's that part is exciting to me. So I don't want to belittle it too much. <laughs> yeah. Young Andy's yeah. like, I'm glad I picked this profession. Then he puts on some Dave Matthews band and really jams out. <laughs> Man, young Andy was a real dickhole. <laughs> he was the worst. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> don't we all feel the same way about ourselves, young ourselves? Like, if I had Absolutely. to hang out with me at 16. I think we yeah. do. Like, I would, Shut up, you I little shit. Asshole. I would beat the shit out of 16-year-old me. God, yeah. he was the worst. Fuck. <laughs> oh god man well i'm not ending it on that i'm not ending it on just beating the shit out of people what is what's our actionable thing about me i wouldn't actually do physical harm to anybody including my younger self leading by example um as cliche and overuse as that thing is that's kind of what you should do you should go be the designer that you think designers should be and set that precedent and you know more importantly like stop being so concerned about what everyone else is doing and like do you god damn it uh, and to a certain degree, like, yes, I appreciate the documentation of ideology and the spreading of the word. And, and yes, you know, there's probably tons of young designers out there that might be swayed by this the same way I was swayed by the original First Things First when I was a young designer. But I don't know. It's it's very easy to be cynical, I guess, when you're as close to it as we are. Yeah, no, I think so. And I even I also think that uh, it's not irrelevant to define your principles, even if they fail at times. Um I'm, I think there are a lot of things I hold really dear that there are times in my life where I just have to cave and it, it sucks and I hate it, but that doesn't mean I, I cave on it forever and I think it's a failure. It just means there are times when I just cannot convince a client that this is important. What are you going to do? I tried my best and I'm, I'm going to, but I'm not going to like sacrifice the project for the sake of it. I will move forward, but 
I will always try to make a point and say, like, this I feel is important, and I will at least make a stand. And if you don't listen to me, that's okay. But I tried. This has been episode 57 of On The Grid. You can email us, mail at onthegrid.co. You could also tweet to us with the hashtag onthegrid, or you could tweet us personally at at MattMC, at Andy Mangold, and at Dan Hour. If you want to submit a link, onthegrid.reddit.com. Thanks to Girlfriends for the music. Thanks to you for listening. Until next week. <laughs>